0: Spinning in circles and talking to myself Spinning in circles and talking to myself
1: Welcome to a new spin on autism Answers with host and international speaker and performer, Lynette Louise Besides working on her doctorate in psychophysiology, Lynette has raised 8 children, 6 adopted And 4 of them falling somewhere on the autism spectrum laugh with her cry with her as she talks to both experts and parents and takes you through the often confusing sometimes frustrating sometimes overwhelming but always fascinating world of autism
0: hello and welcome this is a new spin on autism answers i'm lynette louise your storyteller host otherwise known as the Brain Broad. Are we getting used to that yet, folks? Okay, let's do it one more time. The Brain Broad. This branding thing is really a challenge. Okay, so today is a really, 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 really exciting show day, so I'm not going to talk a lot at the front end, except to mention that you have to stay all the way to the end of the show when we have
1: stories
0: from the road. And, of course, okay, okay, the great guest giveaway. Okay, let's cut to the chase. It's Mother's Day. This is coming out on Mother's Day. And I asked somebody who's so wonderful, and I'm so excited to introduce you to her, if she would do a special Mother's Day version of our show. Because I got married so many times. I was married five times. And every time I got married, I got married out of desperation, hoping that they would save my life, hoping that they would (laughs) help me to pay the bills for my children, hoping, hoping, hoping. And at every turn, I always felt... Like, I was not worthy, and I would grab the first possible Savior who came along, and then it wouldn't work out for, like, days later, I'd say, okay, never mind. So I thought, how wonderful if we address that feeling in you single moms. You married moms that are happy, you can listen just for fun. So you single moms that are feeling like you're not worthy, have I got a guest for you. Welcome to Patty Sanger. She is the owner of, well, actually, she's the Millionaire Matchmaker on Bravo, and she's the owner of the Millionaire Club, and she's fantastic, and I love her, and I'm so glad she's here, and she's going to help us feel like we are worthy. Okay. Hi, Patty. Thank you for Hi, being here. Hi, how are you? I'm so good and so excited to have you on the show. Thank you. Oh, it's so wonderful of you. So, you heard what I was saying that I, yeah. you know, it really is an issue. Mm-hmm. Um, when you have special needs kids, it's a major, major issue. Yes. I
2: mean, it's like handicapped, anything. My mom was the president of Fight for Sight. My grandmother was blind, and um, she also was president of Cerebral Palsy at one time. So handicapped, you know, anybody with special needs, I understand that, you know, you're embarrassed in one way and then proud in another way, and you feel like it's going to turn a man off. Absolutely. The true man's going to step up no matter what happens. Of course, but how do we get over this
0: feeling of, you know, gosh, I met this guy I was out at the mm-hmm. grocery store and he was so handsome
2: that if he only knew that in the car. Well, I think you have <laughs> to let them get to know you. And, you know, you're not defective, your child's not defective, and I think what you have to do is get to know him on an emotional level. So, you know, it's one thing to be sexually attracted and, you know, you're juicy goosey downstairs and everything's swinging and swagging, but the bottom line is if you don't have any interest in common, um, it would be great if he also had a special needs child because then you'd bond over that. Very similar situations. People meet, like, parents without partners. They go to these events, and they meet um, other parents who obviously are single parents, so maybe we can find some support groups with single parents. There's going to be men and women on both sides in that case. The other thing is I think that if you find a commonality with him, if you like to ski and he likes to ski, if you like to cook and he likes to cook, like something that is the glue that bonds the relationship, then you introduce the children. Because most people should not be introducing their children unless it's a real thing. Like, you'll know three to four months if this is headed anywhere. Really. Don't bring them home to your house. Don't fuck them in the house when the kids are sleeping and think you can sneak them out in the morning. That's not going to help the situation. Totally.
0: And you know what? I think that you're hitting on something really important here because a lot of the moms that I know, they feel like, you know how some people will say, well, my animal can tell if, my yeah, dog can if tell if this person... it's a good person, person or a bad person, correct? Right, yeah. right. And so they'll use their children that way.
2: Well, I mean, it's important that the parents get along. But, you know, there's instances where the guy's a great guy and the kid's a brat. I mean, we know that. Now, if the child is autistic and he basically can't understand, you know the brain is not functioning at the perfect capacity unless he has you, Lynette, who can fix and tweak that. So I know because I've used you, Lynette. I know what you're like to do for biofeedback. Um, So if you don't get the luxury of that, you can't put the man down because the child's not responding. This child lives in a different world. You have to understand that if the man is nurturing towards the child, even if the child's not interested in the man, that is a keeper, honey. That is a keeper because he understands the big picture, not the small picture, not the, oh, I'm a child, I'm at I need attention picture. And most men are children. I hate to say it. They don't use both sides of the brain. You know, the corpus callosum is smaller than ours, and they don't process like we do. You know, That's in true. Judaism, we say that God counts the tears of women because we're closer to God because we feel more. Men are not like that unless they're left-handed. It's scientific fact. So if you get a man who can... Get compassionate and see what you went through and understand where you're going and still be willing to hang in there. That is a keeper, besides okay. all the other stuff.
0: So what about rules? Like, would you change
2: or adjust rules for a situation like well, that? Well, I would get in there maybe third date and tell him what happens. Like, I have a special needs child. I wouldn't say it on the first or second date, but I'd get in on the third date. And if he, oh, whoa, that's, you know, oh, huh, I'm not going there. Goodbye. 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 Don't give him a second thought. I don't care if he looks like rat pet. It's not going to work. Okay. So what no, I, had some... something on the, I had something on my Twitter yesterday that said, if a, dude does not, if a guy doesn't offer to pick you up, this is besides online dating on the first date because we don't do that on online dating, but if a guy doesn't offer to pick you up from the first date on, he meets you at the grocery store, a friend introduces you, He's not your guy. He's married. (laughs) Well, he's not husband material. He's all about him. Hey, meet me halfway. You live in Orange County. I live in L.A. Let's meet up in Newport Beach. No, that's not going to happen. So a man that really cares about you is going to show signs of providership, which is basically a sign of protection, and he's going to want to protect you and your family. If he's in it to win it, and he's already bypassed all the bell system, which is like, you're cute, you're hot, I want to fuck you, excuse my French, but if he's somebody that says, I think you're cute. Now let's get her under the hood of the car. And what makes this woman tick? And if he sees that you've never thrown in the towel, you didn't give your child up for adoption, you didn't run away from the situation and put him in a home, okay? I have a cousin who's schizophrenic. My aunt basically lived her life helping that child. And he was my age and tried to commit suicide when I was 16. So I understand what it's like to have something like this in your family, and my uncle did not run away from the situation he made it easier for my aunt and they, that was the second marriage so if you see that and he says god what it takes a lot a strong woman to do this ding 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 that's my tenths of the battle you know you're looking for empathy you're looking for someone who doesn't pity you but someone who definitely appreciates what you went through and is is kind of enamored with it wow patty
0: do you think that People are generally aware that you have such a rich history. No, nobody
2: sees on the show because our show is a four-minute show and you don't really get to see my personal life. But my dad was an alcoholic. Um, my mother married three times. I mean, I was adopted. I have a lot, of, you know, a lot of abandonment in my life, and I have empathy for people who are not like everybody else, you know. Um, Clearly. You know from, from adjusting me and biofeedback that I live in a psychic kind of unusual world. You mm-hmm. said the first time you met me, you said, oh, my God, you live in your psychic brain. Yes. So you know that I'm constantly out of my body and thinking about other planetary whatever systems. Like, you know that I don't literally live in the regular world, but that's because my psychicness is so fine-tuned to match people up. I have to look at energy in order to match them up. So when you're on the date, women have stronger intuition than men, but they ignore it more than men. Believe it or not, men pay attention more. They know when danger is imminent, and they leave. Women don't. Women, oh, I'm crazy. I must be out of my mind today. I must be PMSing. No. If it feels wrong, don't do it. Well, it's the same thing when you go on a date. If the guy doesn't feel like he would fit into your family and your gut is saying this to you, it's not going to be good to my son. He's not going to be there for me. If, God forbid, you know, he has a seizure or an attack or, you know, screams out Tourette's in the middle of a grocery store, then run. That's not your guy. But because he's cute got a couple you know, drinks into you, you haven't been on a date a long time, or you haven't had, gotten laid in a while, you would look the other way. Or out of the house. <laughs> you the got house, out of the or house. <laughs> or, he bought, or sometimes we go for money. Like you said, you were waiting to be rescued. Sometimes it's a rich guy, hey, dude, hey lady, I think you're really hot. Let's go roll in the hay and I'll buy you a new right. But he doesn't care about your son or he doesn't care about your child.
0: Right. That's in not fact, your guy.
2: I, I never told you this story, but I did
0: marry a millionaire, and uh, I never lived with him because as soon as we we got married in Vegas, and we were, you know, first day was great. So for 24 hours, I was a very happy millionaire and then <laughs> a multi millionaire. and then um, we were on our way back to flight back to Texas, and he. Up and tells me how well, he's decided what he'll do is he'll buy a little house for the kids. <laughs> and we'll have the big house and I can go visit them. And I was like, oh wow, I guess I'm going to sit in a different place on this airplane
2: and that's the end of our marriage. Right, exactly. And you knew it then. Yeah. But your gut probably saw it signals from the get go. From the moment you of see course. them, now, that's not to say that we make, we rush to assumptions and judgments on people. Clearly we do. But if your gut is saying, no, something doesn't feel right. No, I don't, I don't know what's wrong with this. It seems off to me. It seems too good to be true. It usually is. Yeah, yeah and, and I you'll knew. find out later. You'll find out later. Like, especially if someone's rushing, you know, to get into your life, yeah. that's also, also a warning system. Like, why? Where's he running from? Okay? So there are men out there who do like the feeling of being needed and they are considered like doctors or nursemaids in their own personal life, and they do look to rescue a woman. There is the Cinderella complex that exists. It's not as strong as it used to be, you know, back, let's say, in the 50s, but it's still happening. And there could be a man that says, I want to rescue you. But what else do you have other than the rescue? Once he rescues you, what? where do you go there from there? So well, be it, careful of that person, too, because there's two sides to that coin.
0: Yeah, no, And it's that bad.
2: will blow up in your face. You'll get get someone who won't leave your house. He'll stay put. He'll become, you know, a resident of your home without even knowing. He'll move move his his goods into your house and, you know, set up a closet by by the time you get home from work. That's the guy you want to be careful of, too, just like the guy who runs. Right, because right. And it, and it feels
0: so exciting when he yeah. wants you so oh bad God, right God, off the bat. he's
2: suing yeah. you and he's making reservations and he's getting you flowers and taking you away for the weekend and you've been exhausted from taking care of this special needs child and, oh, God, is this wonderful? And then reality steps in. What do I got? So listen to what he says to you. There'll be guys that say, oh, I don't care, I don't care, I don't care that you have a special needs child. Then there'll be guys that say, wow. I don't know if I could do that. That's really hard. Tell me about that. That's the guy you want. You know, like the guy who admits that this is something I don't know if I could do, but slowly dips his toe into the water before he gets full on in and appreciates you for what you've gone through and says, I give you such, you know, kudos and courage and, you know, is like really proud of what you did. That's the real guy.
0: Ah, and on that note, I'm going to tell everybody that you are listening to a new spin on Autism Answers. I'm Lynette Louise, your storyteller host, otherwise known as The Brain Broad, and we're talking to Patty Stanger, and I just have to get right back at it, but don't forget, stay to the very end where we'll do
2: stories from the road. Okay, Patty,
0: I have one that I thought of while you were so eloquently answering the question. I think that... The reason that the man that I married that I was telling you about, the multimillionaire, that he acted the way he did was because he had a syndrome where he wanted to believe that someone like myself who would actually adopt so many kids and is obviously so kid-focused where kids are all that I'm about would pick him over my kids.
2: Yes, there is that um, he probably came from a family where he didn't come first. And is resentful of his mother and has a history of it or the father and will look for the most challenging situation to prove he's worthy. And that I've seen a lot. That, I see a lot with men. And they, they throw temper tantrums and they test you to the wall and you're like, how did I get here? Yeah. Just signed in shop. There is a sociopathic tendency you um, wouldn't probably come up on you know a homicide radar but there is definitely something of that nature that he probably had in every relationship prior to you exactly and, people, and you know what get to the party
0: <clears throat> right and so when you said you know we put my, i probably had bells going off of course i did i closed my eyes i well, had so many Well you wanted to be rescued
2: so when we want to be rescued we let a lot of crap slide because we're exhausted we just want to have a day to ourselves and get into the bath and do a Calgon style. You know what I mean? We don't really think about all the other things that come in. So you think, okay, well, he's paying the bills. I can put up with his nastiness. Oh, he's paying the bills. He's not taking me to the family function. It doesn't really mean anything. He's not close to his family. We make rationalizations based on what we want in order to accept what we have. And unfortunately, in that situation, you probably were, like, tired.
0: Yeah. Right. You know, a lot of, yeah, a
2: lot of stuff we make out of his loneliness and tiredness. Those are the two things. Well, that and that there's
0: once you're doing that, mm-hmm. you're doing like you said, you're ignoring that he didn't take you here, or you're rationalizing yeah. that. Also, his past. I mean, when he told me about you know how he'd been in other relationships, there's this whole con, oh, this whole mental construct that I've seen so many women do, and I was certainly guilty of in the past. And that is that thing of, well with me he'll be different. Yes. So, you're
2: special. You're the uh, special one. He found you, he waited, he worked hard through all these women and they were the wrong women and they were practice, they were training wheels and now you are the two, you know, the bicycle, the perfect bicycle. Yes, that's bullshit. Yeah. Okay, because the bottom line is how we treated people in the past. The story is going, you, you've taught me this in biofeedback. The story is going to reinvent itself somehow again until you recognize the pattern and say no. And yes. that is facts. I mean, you have yes. to say no. Yes. Um, I'm in a situation right now which I'm being bullied personally, professionally, everything. Mm-hmm. And it's been my theme for the last year. And I, I'm in a situation at work where I can't get out of a contract. It's like I can't say goodbye. I don't feel like working with you anymore. Goodbye. And, you know, I work for somebody. So, And I'm under contract, and I'd be sued. And I started to realize the reason this bullying was coming up is because this was my childhood. I was bullied throughout my whole childhood. And obviously, this is something that I have to work on now to clean up in order to go to the next level and recognize it. Now, how you handle the bullying is the real secret. So how do you handle when someone does this? Do you say, I'm going to put up with this because he's paying the bills and my kid needs X? Or do you say, I'm going to find another way and maybe we won't be able to do the nice things that we used to do? and I'll have to take them out of school and maybe homeschool them or do something extra which cuts the bills in half so that I can live on my loan and, and and live healthier. You know, you have to you have to make sacrifices. And so like I'm realizing now that I'll do what these people want me to do as nicely as possibly. I won't write or reinvent the wheel. But I'll hold my head up and I'll smile and I'll check in and check out just like I'm clocking and clock out. If prior to that situation, I would work overtime for them with not even a thank you to make right. the project go better, to right. make it more more captivating. And unfortunately, now I'm not going to do it anymore because that, that hurts my health.
0: Right and I think that that's very applicable to our relationships too if we extend and extend to the point where we empty ourselves out mm-hmm. and there's nothing we're just like this husk Somebody's of a person because, in.
2: yeah Omar do you have a phone call right now hold on one second okay Lynette? Mm-hmm. Okay. So um, what were we saying? I was just oh. saying, you know, I think that applies to
0: um, to relationships, too, because yeah. women do that all the time. They empty themselves out. Right. They overextend, overextend.
2: I, I can't say no. I have a year of not saying no, and I'm spinning my wheels working on all these different projects, and things aren't coming to fruition, and then people can't do the job, and I take over the job. And so I'm like the mother bee, and I'm fried. And then what you taught me, which I will say my favorite story. Lynette's sitting on a little park bench crying her eyes out that she's got so much work, and they just keep giving her more work. And a little old homeless lady sitting next to her, this wise angel from heaven, and says to you, you work really hard. You go, yes, I work too much. She goes, honey, if you keep working this hard, they're just going to give you more work. Yep. And I got the message in six seconds. And that's kind of like what's happening to me. So now I'm learning to say no. I'm sorry, I can't do that anymore. No, I, I'm not able to do that. And it, it's amazing what happens. They, they'll come at you 55 times until 50, till they hear the no. Yep. They don't hear it on the first time. They don't hear And you just keep saying, no, I'm sorry, you didn't hear me. No, thank you. No, not interested. No, I can't do that. No, I'm sorry. With yes. no explanation. No. no, it doesn't work for me. Yep. And yep. I'm starting to do that. And you know what? The, the world didn't cave in. The sun didn't fall from the sky. We didn't have a typhoon. And somehow it's slowly penetrating them. They keep trying, but I'm like, no, I'm sorry, no, I don't get and, mad, I don't scream, and I yell. I'm just like, no. That and I'm that's sorry. perfect. That's exactly what I did. So I kept trying to get married, get married, I'm, you know, reaching
0: for all these relationships, and I ended up finally going, you know, no. I'm choosing my kids, and I'm just going to, if I don't yeah, but, get the right guy. But it's
2: not so much you're choosing your
0: kids. So
2: let's, let's backtrack it, because I don't agree with that. Okay. I agree that the right man didn't come along. So it wasn't so much you were choosing your kid. This wasn't a good fit. It wasn't a good fit. We're looking for the perfect fit, those perfect Cinderella shoes. Granted, there's nothing perfect in life, but better fit than most. You know, I'm looking for the perfect Jimmy shoes, the perfect Manolo of Lonex. And I don't have to adjust them. I don't have to, you know, take them to the shoemaker. And so in that case, these, this, these men didn't fit into your lifestyle. So you had a lifestyle set up. You're looking for someone to join the party. They weren't right.
1: That's no, all I agree. I and agree. that
2: doesn't mean he won't come. It might be a year. It might be two years. It might be ten years. But if you really want it and you take your eye off the ball and you focus on something else that makes you feel good, it's Law of Attraction 101, he'll show up. He'll show up probably when you've given up and said, okay, there's no good men out there, I can't find anyone, and then bam, universe goes, oh yeah, let me show you this, damn. And so that's what happens. That's why people say he showed up when I least expected it. It wasn't that you least expected it. You put it on the back burner and focused on something else. That's all it is. You know, I agree. Fun. I think it's
0: that whole thing is the more, if when you're desperate for something, when you're, you know, you're basically sending out the vibe, I'm so desperate, make sure I don't get it because that way I get to continue, <laughs> continue to well, be desperate. I,
2: I also think that we believe what the secret teaches us, ask, believe, and receive. But there's so many complications in ask, believe, and receive. If the brain, like you teach me, is not fun- functioning at capacity, then whatever you put in your brain waves, okay, whatever you're seeing and you download into your unconscious, could be crap. We'll come out as crap. So you could attract the hot guy, but then he treats you like shit and slaps you around. Chris Brown, Rihanna 101, okay? Mm-hmm. So that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm saying is that we want to be able to manifest and create in an instant. Something as much as love, I'd love to say, can happen. I'm not saying people don't meet love at first sight, and, you know, I always believe that's a past life thing. But what I'm saying is most people don't get that. They don't. Very few people do. We're not living in a generation where people see it and accept it. Very small amounts of what they desire. We're in a society where we want the whole enchilada, and if one little thing's out of whack, we kick them to the curb. So we have a perfectionist problem going on, especially in the United States, more than any other country. What what I'm saying is that you can't really manifest love in that second. It's you possibly could, but most people can't. No, but
0: I think you hit on maybe the answer to a lot of the moms who'll be listening problem when you said, you know, when you said, no, 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 I don't agree. It's not that you focused on or that you chose your kids. I think I said it incorrectly and actually heard the truth when you were answering that. It was more that I chose to do exactly what you described, to focus on my kids and to right. focus and get,
2: complete. It was exhausting know. working on something that didn't work out. So you said, I, you know what? My kids need me. I right. love them. They give me joy. I'm going to go heal these children. Right. Spend my time, which is more worthwhile. And if a nice guy wants to shop. So, so be it, but he's going to join my party. And he did.
0: That's what's so interesting about it. I ended up, you know, I did. I went, okay, never mind all this. I'm going to be all focused on my kids. I'm just going to love it instead of finding it so hard. I did exactly what you just described. I, I did it with a positive attitude, finally. I, and the next thing I know, I'm actually back with my first husband who lived with me for the past, well, until he died a few mm-hmm. years ago. And
2: so it was because and that was I the love stopped. of your life. Yeah, right. So let's be clear. That wasn't just some fancy fancy. That was a true love of your life that resurfaced back because probably at the time when you met him, he wasn't ready for you yet or you weren't ready for him or it wasn't a good fit. And then you both worked on yourselves and bam, it shows back up again. It wasn't like you were looking for it. So, so you have to be open to the universe because technically that is the true matchmaker. I just serve God. I'm not, I'm not the real matchmaker. You know, I only work with the inventory he gives me. Okay? And so sometimes it's not right timing. There yeah. is truth that the timing is off and that they can resurface back in your life as long as you're not, you know, expecting it. Um, but I will say this. My mother always used to say this to me. Okay? All it takes is one. I don't care where you are in the world. The universe will find a way to yield it and bring it to you. It might take a while. It may not happen in the moment you want it. It Wait. might be like, you know, you're 31 wanting to get married. You don't meet them till 51. Wait. Okay? But... Somehow, it all catches up. It all evens itself out on, on the credit card plan, you know. And I don't want to hear any story that someone says, "Oh, it didn't happen for me," and I'm 90. Bullshit. They probably lost opportunities. They were not even paying attention to. I
0: agree. I agree. So when you think of our moms, because we're at the end here. Yeah. And I want so when to. When I think and could...
2: of you, when I think of your mom, the moms, I don't care if you're 18 or 80. Okay. He's out there. He's out there. Just believe it. Know, and if you pray and you get in your center and you work on yourself and you heal your children and you take time to smell the roses and take a break every once in a while and and call him in, you can call in the one. You can. You can send a vibrational signal just like the animals do in the wild and call him in. And he will ring your bell someday. Yay. you got to get out of the house. He's not going to come knocking on your door. You've got to start following your passions and interests. And I think a well-balanced person, especially a caretaker who is a mom with, with, you know, a special needs child needs to find that one time a week that they do for themselves, whether it's getting a massage or going to dance class, something that floats their boat. And when you smile and you, you appreciate life, men love happy women. He will show the fuck up. My oh,
0: I love that, Patty. And I love that you said, okay. don't tell them about your child till the third day. Third day, I know they're... wait
2: It'll reveal itself. He's going to say he has kids, or he's going to say he always wanted kids, or he's going to say his kids are grown, and you're going to pop in, and you're going to say, you know, I have an autistic child, I have this child, and it wasn't easy, but I love my – show your pictures. Show your pictures. Whip them out. Say, look at him. He's gorgeous. Look at her. She's fabulous. I mean, there's no reason not to do that. And then be proud of them and show how far they've come, how they've grown. I mean, we're learning more and more every day about autism just by your work alone. You know, Jenny McCarthy is a good friend of mine. And uh, Jacqueline Loretta, one of my friends from Housewives in New Jersey, has an autistic child that showed up out of the blue. It wasn't like that for the first couple years. Yeah. And so we've really come a long way with the diet and the brain waves. And, you know, there's, there's work out there to be done, but yet we're on, our, we're on the right path with that.
0: I agree. I agree. You know? And thank you so much. Oh, thanks so. for having
2: me today. Oh, Happy Mom's Day to oh, you all.
0: So that was Patty Stanger. Um, very colorful language, which makes it a lot of fun because we don't usually have colorful language on my show. So for Mother's Day, you get to get warmed up by all that colorful language <laughs> if her advice didn't do it at least the odd... Uh, excuse our French word, did. So um, I hope you enjoyed yourself because something really great's coming up around the corner. We're going to talk to Mr. Origami Owl. That's not really his name, by the way. Um, His name is Warren, Warren Love. I I love that his last name is Love. He's got a lovely family. I'm always saying we're loving the loves because, um, well, for lots of reasons. But the one that really pops to my mind is that when I first began... In working professionally, combining neurofeedback and play. So I was already doing play and family dynamics counseling and teaching people how to work with various brain disorders, especially autism and going to people's homes. So that was already happening. But I was working with neurofeedback in my home and also in a brain rehab clinic. And the results were so astounding, I couldn't stand the idea that I wasn't also offering that to the people that I was working with. Now, at the time, it wasn't really kosher for me to do so. I've since, you know, crossed all my T's and dotted my I's, but at that time, I wasn't really allowed to bring the neurofeedback to somebody else, because especially out of state, because I was only um, able to do it in California, and they were in Arizona at the time. So I'm working with this family. They're just fantastic. They do everything I say, and that's already fantastic. And they have this program and all this passion and this insistence on really making a difference for their daughter, and she's nonverbal, and she's seven, and they've tried everything, including the play therapy style that I was doing. So I go and I meet them, and, and we're working, and I'm kind of, well, hey, guys, I have this other thing I'm doing. Do you think we could try it? And they trusted me 100%. And don't you dare, Warren, say that's not true. They trusted me 100%. They let me try it. And the result was that six weeks later, they had a daughter who was no longer nonverbal, who could talk. I'm sure we had lots of work still to do, and they still do. But we had done the job we were out, setting out to do, and so it was really the beginning of me realizing that this was the career we needed to have, I needed to have, and my passion for bringing that to the world. Now, I'm going to introduce you to the dad. So this is our Mother's Day show. We get to talk to the dad, especially because the mom's got to migrate. <laughs> so, Warren, thank you so much for sitting in for Linda.
1: It's my pleasure, Lynette. You know, we would uh, do anything to help out you and the folks you help.
0: Well, thank you. It's, um, well, first, let's, let's go to your story. What was that like back then?
1: You know, we had, we had challenges. I mean, back in 1999, 2000, there wasn't much uh, prescriptive for autism. In fact, it was just sort of a, hey, you know what, your child has autism and, and you have a big future was essentially what people were telling us until we found um, the program that you were doing in play therapy and, and ultimately found you. And then when you introduced neurofeedback to us, you know, I'm, a, I'm, I'm an eager beaver, so I went out and did the research I loved the origins of it and the and, uh, work they had done in the CIA and mm-hmm. the fact that the idea was brain conditioning and it would just make your brain stronger and the science behind it was wonderful and especially we loved You and your approach and the fact that you were fully immersed into what you do. Um, That was really what made us fall in love with you, Lynette.
0: Oh, well, I love you for all the same reasons.
1: (laughs) Your commitment to it. But, yeah, Marina did really, really well. I mean, in fact... I think you might even have a video on YouTube. Of we them. do,
0: and I, and I will put a link to it because it's so awesome. But for the people that don't hit the link, why don't you tell them, you know, about that moment, what it was like. So I'll, I'll do the setup, and then you do the sell. So here's what happened with, we're working really, really hard. We start doing the neurofeedback, and that just added, it accelerated her ability to learn. So there's just all this time spent in the playroom, and then also doing neurofeedback, and trying to teach her words, and over and over again, trying to teach her simple words like ride, or or swing, or the ball, and, um, and in the video, what you see is me going over and over again, trying to teach her just this one word, ride. And it's about six weeks later, and she, of her own volition, starts doing something. Okay, I wasn't there, so now we need Warren's part of the story.
1: All right, so, yeah, it was really quite amazing. What happened was um, Marina emptied the refrigerator of all the vegetables and fruits because, you know, she's a very curious person, didn't talk too much, didn't think she had to tell us what she was doing anyway, so probably part of her benefit of being (laughs) the way she is. She laid out all the fruits and vegetables on the table in a beautiful kind of mandala. It looked like one of those mandals you'd see in Tibet. Anyway, so it was a work of art, and then she started, so I said, well, you know what, maybe she knows what these are, and so I started asking her, went around the table, and she named every single one of the vegetables. It was incredible, with a little bit of prompting. This, You know, we would, would not have even tried this before we had done the program and the neurofeedback, and, and as... As you know, I didn't have much time to prepare for this, so this is all off the top of my head.
0: No, but oh, wasn't right. it? I mean, you can even hear in the video. Uh, so, so what, did you say, Linda, grabbed the camera? Because all of a sudden, partway through the, you getting the vegetables named, she's videotaping it.
1: Yes, yes, absolutely. Because it was, it was such a watershed moment for us and for Marina because she was able to communicate to us finally and let us know that, hey, you know what, I know my vegetables.
0: Isn't that amazing?
1: I mean, I eat them all, but I know what they are, so...
0: And they were, and they're hard words and stuff. I mean, it's just wonderful. I love this video. And everybody who's listening, you really have to check it out. You have to click on that link because it's really quite phenomenal. And you can just hear um, Linda, who you're not listening to right now, so you don't get to see her on the video either. You see Warren because Linda's the one with the camera. But you can hear her voice while you're keeping your cool, Warren. You know, asking the vegetables. You can hear Linda's like contained excitement going, "Oh, this is a vegetable." (laughs) Or whatever it is that's being said, it's really it's really quite awesome, and and really sold me on um, what I knew I had to do for the rest of my life and spend all my money doing trying to (laughs) trying to save the world and give this this therapy to everybody. So and then today you were at a concert with Marines. This is many years later. Um, Let's see, this would be that was 2006 probably.
1: Uh, Seven, maybe. We we moved here in 2006. We moved across the country to further our commitment to Marina.
0: Right, but that Uh, was at the end of the year, wasn't it? Because we, I'm pretty sure this was the beginning of 2006.
1: Yeah.
0: All right, so that's like seven years ago. Um, And today she was doing a little spring concert.
1: She was doing a spring concert. She She had two roles. One, she was an Irish jigger. I don't know if that's <laughs> the proper terminology <laughs> on stage, representing Ireland. And and she was also an Aborigine in Australia. So she had some parts where, yeah, she was quite um, lucid. And, in fact, all the folks that we know said, my goodness, you know, Maria's doing so much. Well, she's focused. She's
0: uh, oh. pretty settled. And she handled the directions and all that? She handles
1: the directions. She handles oh. the noise. Everything.
0: Oh, and she looks so beautiful. I saw her picture on Facebook. She looks so gorgeous. So the reason, so this is my okay, okay, great, I have to say it like this. This is the okay, okay, great guest giveaway. So uh, <laughs> I know we're talking about therapy and all of that and your wonderful story, but I did originally ask Linda because um, I saw that she was doing something called the origami owl. And I asked yes. her if she wanted to come on the podcast and talk about it and give one away. So you're on, Warren. You really have to take her place.
1: Okay. Well, uh, yeah, just real quick. from My understanding of it is I, it was a mother and daughter who got together and decided, what can we do together to really promote people's stories? Because stories are so important, and this is a good example of that. So they put together this jewelry line. It's a locket. So this pendant has a glass front. It's about a, you know, a half quarter of an inch thick class front, something on the back, a little plate stamp with inspire, believe, or whatever you want to put, um, and we'll just do whatever the person wants to put in the back, but then you put little things inside which represent the story of your child, your family, or whatever you want to tell a story for, even for your mother, so you could put the birthstones, for instance, colors of the birthstones of all oh, the kids honey. of your mother, you could put in a little...
0: It's like a much cooler uh, way of doing... as as well
1: it's, hat, it's like, If your mother was a nurse...
0: Oh, that's so but she neat. She can tell
1: her story and show her story to people. This is my story.
0: I love that. That's really awesome. And would she be able to give one away? Because it's a great guest that's giveaway. Either that or you have to, like, you know, give someone five bucks or something.
1: No, no. Well, <laughs> sure. Now, Linda would love to uh, give away uh, one of these origami owl lockets with six charms. it. you can buy more. Okay. But, um, you know, with six charms, you just pick the charms out of the catalog. And then start to tell a story, whichever story you want to tell, with this locket.
0: Oh, that's really awesome. Well, the way that you can collect on that, whoever sends me the email first to mom, M-O-M, like your mom or your dad, not the English mom, which is M-U-M, but M-O-M. M-O-M, and then the number four, evermore. So that's Mom Forevermore at Juno J U N O dot com. You send me an email asking for it and then I'll make sure that um I talk to Linda and Warren and we and we get that for you. Now Warren, here's a surprise that you didn't know I was gonna ask you because <laughs> you didn't know any of the things I was gonna ask you. Um so, so I just was talking with Patty Stanger and we were talking about what it is for a single mom out in the world trying to, you know, start dating and, and connect with somebody while having an autistic child or a special needs child. And, um, you know, she, was, she was, had some great advice. And I was thinking there's more to this, though, than just, you know, the single parent or whatever. And you deal with long-distance relationships. So let's talk to that for a second. Do you mind? No. Okay. So, is it challenging, and how do you maintain your connection with
1: Linda? Hmm. It is challenging. There's no question about it because there's a lot of um, there's a lot of uh, things that go with having an autistic child, including some guilt and uh, things that, and other things. I mean, I'm not doing the right things for my child. So, yeah. So, as a husband of the mother of an autistic child, I have to learn to how to distract her in a positive and family-friendly way. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, that
1: rocked. <laughs> go on. <laughs> so date night's really important. And uh, so at least every, twice a month, we'll just take Friday night and go. And we found some really great people to who we can call and watch or even just be st- stand by just in case something does go wrong so we can be out there without guilt, and we're without worry, so, um, and Marina's sister is now 14, and so she can babysit officially, although she's on, you know, Minecraft the whole time, but uh, <laughs> Marina's uh, up uh, doing her thing um, on YouTube, so they're, they're both on a computer, and they both love it, and we go up on date night and come back, and it's a wonderful evening, and it's just a way to keep connected. It's still difficult. It's still a challenge.
0: But, uh, but you make figured, you make a point of it and yeah. make sure that it works. Make and what's Moira it. doing? So you have two daughters. Is Moira not able to to stay home with uh, Marina?
1: Yes, yes. Now, I mean, uh, up up to this point, we had to find people to babysit. But now that Moira can stay home with her, it's much better. And because we you know we gave Moira uh, an iPhone, and so you know you can use whatever it is that iPhone users use to talk back and forth. It, and tell them exactly what they're doing all the time. Now, the only challenge, I have to tell you this, Lynette, is is keeping my wife off of the iPhone while we're out. So
0: <laughs> so date night doesn't really turn into
1: a date with you. It's a date with all her friends and her telling them, here I am, and we're out, and here's what I'm eating, and here's where <laughs> we are, and, you know, you know how that goes. And I'm just laughing, I know, because it's all those guys are sitting there going, okay, I know, <laughs> can you pay attention to me? <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, you,
0: you were right, though, when you said that you're taking her out to give her kind of a distraction, and um, that's the thing when you're a mom and your hands are full and you got all that stuff going. You don't even get time to to give your other adults in your life, not just Thank your you. husband, but your other adults' attention. So you're going to share her no, ma- no matter how you stack the deck, no. I'm <laughs> afraid. <laughs>
1: Lynette, I have a question for you that you didn't sure. know I was going to ask you. Okay. So you know. You've done this brain research, so you know the difference between the male and female brain, and there's a lot going on in the female brain, and the male brain, you know, not so much because we have severed hemispheres, but so what advice would you give to women to improve tolerance <laughs> for male men who aren't necessarily verbal and can only focus on one thing at a time?
0: Okay. Well, actually, your last statement was more accurate. It's not so much that your hemispheres are severed um, or uh, that you are nonverbal, so much as you tend to prefer parallel or activity-based conversation. Um, This isn't really true of you, Warren, but I'll answer it anyway since we're doing generalities. Um, And you just have a smaller corpus callosum, which is the connector between the two, the two hemispheres, therefore, you do tend to focus, you as a group, men and all these men are probably angry, um, you do tend to focus in, in a more one-thing-at-a-time way than women do because we can, we can just put more traffic on our highway between the hemispheres. So we can have like this huge traffic jam and be, you know, everybody's talking out the windows to each other and doing a million different things, whereas guys are more single-minded. So that's a good thing. You know, the difference is a good thing as long as we educate everybody to know that that's how it is because my multitasking often gets in my way and it often makes it difficult for me to uh, complete a task, for example, because I didn't 100% focus. And, again, I'm talking in generalities because I actually can 100% focus, but I had to train my brain together. So when you're just looking at the two two sexes, I think what we're saying is, You know, we have one of two choices, and this is true of all differences, whether we're talking about the difference between sexes, the difference between uh, mental abilities, uh, physical abilities, races. We've just got to embrace each each other's difference. So if you embrace that she wants to multitask and talk to a million people, you can sit back in your chair and go, how awesome. Now, since I'm basically fairly nonverbal, as you put it, I don't have to carry so much load. You can enjoy that, and then when you say, okay, here's the deal. I want you to sit with your iPhone and enjoy this. I'm going to go to the bar and have a beer. And, you know, have a beer and let her do her thing. Flirt with the bartender behind the bar, and next thing you know, Linda will be there. I promise. (laughs) And she'll say, you stop being single-minded and focus on that female bartender, and you get your butt back at the table.
1: Well, that's good advice. Uh, you know, I don't know about the listeners, but now I, I am now a better person because of this call.
0: <laughs> no, it it's really about um knowing that you're different in that way and then finding the best way to do that. It's like and again, I'm gonna have to say, Warren, that's not true of you. You're you're a very good multitasker and um you have this dry funny humor that is because you're paying attention to so many things. So I'm gonna have to say that advice was for someone else, actually.
1: Oh dear. All right. right. But you you keep
0: keep working on it, all right?
1: (laughs) Well, I'll try to narrow my scope.
0: Okay. Well, thank you so much for being here, Warren. That was so fun. I really enjoyed it. All right. That was Warren Love. And before that, we had Patty Stanger of Marry a Millionaire and the Millionaire's Club. Uh, Patty's wonderful. Warren's wonderful. I've had a great show. I hope you've enjoyed it. Let me close this with my story. So today, I don't actually want to tell you a story from the road. I want to tell you a story from my memory. Um, One of the things that motivated me, that helped me to know how I wanted to walk in the world and be in the world with my children, and I think it helps all you single moms looking to find somebody to love you. So I'm going to tell it to you. It's the movie that Cher was in called Mask, The Mask or Mask. Um, And it's a true story. It's about, if you haven't seen it, it's a true story about uh, a biker chick who has a son that has elephantitis, that uh, disease where the growth of the skin is all affected and it gets bigger and bigger around his face and they think he's going to die at a young age because it's going to choke off the brain. And um, and he doesn't. He keeps living and living and she keeps raising him. And and she's a tough chick. And, um, you know, there's uh, some wonderful, hilarious, scenes and she's into drugs and he's a clean cut guy and he's a high performer and you know he's getting his diploma and a bunch of bikers are in the in the audience going, yeah So it's it's a fun movie. The point in the movie that really made a difference for me and I thought that's how I want to be is when Sam Elliott who plays her Love Interest um, is talking to the boy that has the problem with his face. And he talks about the story of when he first saw Cher, the mom. And he said he was working in a, and I might get this a little wrong, but this is my memory, and my memory is what inspires me. So that's what I'll share from. So he was working in a, or actually he was in um, a mall and somebody was doing photographs and you know how they sometimes did that where everyone would line up and try to get the photographer to take your child's picture and you got it for 99 cents or something. It was something that happened way back when in droves and so um, she was there waiting to get her son's picture taken and Sam Elliott's character was watching and she got up to the front of the line and of course the photographer dealt with it in a professional manner as he could. He was it was difficult because he is extremely marked, and his face is quite unattractive. Um, and the but the photographer does a fine job. But Sam Elliott's character, what he noticed, is that Cher looked at her son while getting his picture taken, like he was the most beautiful child in the world, and there was nothing not to love. In fact, that's one of the lines in the movie when. Um, Her son's having a hard time and and talking about himself and how he wants to be loved. And she says, what's not to love? And um, the way that Sam Elliott described it, I realized that if in our eyes our children are beautiful, then we can't help but spread that to somebody else if they're willing to look. And that's how I think you become a family. I'm Lynette Louise, your storyteller host, story teacher host, and uh, the brain broad. And thank you for being here, listening to a new spin on autism answers. Because without you, I'd just be talking to myself.
1: Thank you for joining the show today. Lynette is the author of the refreshingly honest and at times hilarious new book, Miracles Are Made, A Real Life Guide to Autism. You can purchase this and other materials by looking on the webtalkradio.net website and clicking on the covers. You can also click through to her Facebook page and check out any show you may have missed by looking in the archives. We'll see you soon for another edition of A New Spin on Autism. Answers.
0: Spinning in circles and talking to myself. Spinning in circles and talking to myself. Spinning in circles and talking to myself.
2: I can't hear you.